The name of the message tonight is Election and Assurance. We're going to continue our study tonight in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And tonight we'll look at verses 4 and 5, but I'd like us to read the first five verses so we can get the context of verses 4 and 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Paul and Sabinus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Now in the first two studies of this wonderful epistle, the first study we looked at a wonderful salutation. And in that message, we had looked at how Paul was very well acquainted with the saints at Thessalonica as he was one of three. Paul and Silas and Timothy were the ones who established the church by the grace of God, as we see in verse 1. Paul and Sabinus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So by God's mercy and by God's grace, Paul and Savannah and Timothy were sent unto Thessalonica to preach the gospel. And there was a church by the grace of God established there. And then we saw in verse 3 how these saints, and we know it was amidst persecution and trials, they were patient in hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ. They had a good hope. Just as every born again believer in Christ has a good hope. A good hope. Tonight we'll look at verses 4 and 5. In the last two studies in this wonderful book. We looked at the first again three verses of chapter 1. And we saw Paul's love evident. Before us for the Thessalonian believers. Came through in his words. And remember these words were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, who is the true author of this book and the true author of every blessed book of the Bible. So having looked at Paul's introduction to the saints at Thessalonica, we see then that the Holy Spirit moved Paul to write about the electing grace of God in verse 4 and in verse 5 about how the word of God came to the Thessalonian believers, not in word only, but in power. Not just spoken by Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy, but it came to them in power, and power of the Holy Spirit of God. And again, we know the power there is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And this is true for every born-again, blood-washed believer. The gospel comes to us in power, in power, and in much assurance, as Scripture says here. And in much assurance, because our assurance and our hope is in Christ. I have a dear brother who who is on the front lines in the ER room. He's an ER nurse, and he's in the front lines, 
And he wrote to me about how our Lord Jesus Christ is, is our great Redeemer and how he's our hedge of protection and how he ever watches over us. And he's just trusting and resting in Christ and Christ alone. So the gospel, again, comes to every single believer in power and in much assurance because we have a great hope. And we patiently await our Lord's return, don't we? We patiently await our Lord's return. Now, some say election is strong meat, but we see Paul here writing to young believers. This is a, a young church. It's not been established for very long. And Paul is writing about this blessed doctrine, this blessed truth. Now, some say you shouldn't teach this to young believers, but we see Paul here, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, bringing forth this absolutely wonderful doctrine, which we know is true. It's in the scriptures. It's true. And this precious, precious doctrine is not to be kept from young babes in Christ. It's not to be kept from them until they mature in the faith. No, we see that Paul preached all the counsel of God to God's saints. And these are the saints who are chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. And they are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. And they will one day be in glory with him forever. And God's preachers bring forth before the saints of God, this wonderful truth of the electing grace of God. Because we who are the people of God, we need a steady diet of God's sovereign grace. We need that to be bought before us. We are so soon to forget that our Lord is in control. And this is why we need to be constantly reminded about it. Because we have a tendency in our in our flesh, to try to take things upon ourselves. And the Lord weans us off trusting and leaning on our own understanding. And he does that through this life. Through trials and tribulations, through things that occur in the world, he just keeps us clinging to him and holding on to him. And again, we need a steady diet, we who are the people of God, of God's sovereign grace. And of his sovereign mercy, too, we need to be reminded of how it's only the grace and mercy of God that has made us to differ from anybody else in this world. Only the grace of God and the mercy of God. And it all comes to us, to God's chosen people, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved, beloved for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake. And as we mature in our faith in Christ, this teaching of election becomes so very precious to us, very precious to us. As the Holy Spirit of God teaches and enlightens us through the preaching of the gospel, we grow in our faith. And this fact, the fact of the doctrine of election, again, becomes more and more clear and we know the truth. We know the truth of the hymn writer who wrote, Lord, if you had not chosen me, I'd never choose you. I'd never choose you. And our Lord even said, he said, 
He said, I have chosen you. You have not, you haven't chosen me. It's all him. It's all him from beginning to end. Salvation is of the Lord. Even in Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, he brings forth again this wonderful doctrine to the church at Thessalonica. Listen to this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Scripture says this, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read that again. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And remember, Paul's writing to born-again, blood-washed saints. To the very saints that he's writing this first letter to. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Oh, let that sink in. You who are the born-again people of God, beloved of the Lord, beloved of God, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Oh, we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, and, and we believe the truth. See, if someone doesn't believe on Christ, if someone doesn't believe the, the truth of the Scripture, then they're not saved, no matter what they say. No matter what they say, the Holy Spirit teaches each born-again believer through the preaching of the gospel about the work of God the Father in choosing a particular people in Christ. And he did this all before the foundation of the world. And the Holy Spirit teaches each born-again believer through the preaching of the gospel about the work of God the Son in the perfect redemption of his chosen people. When he died on the cross... He offered himself up as a perfect spotless lamb. His redemption is a perfect redemption, beloved. Perfect redemption. A perfect atonement. The Holy Spirit teaches each born-again believer through the preaching of the gospel about the work of God the Son in the perfect redemption of his chosen people. How? By the shedding of his precious blood, which he shed at Calvary's cross. And he did that as the substitute of his people. And he paid the ransom. He paid the ransom price that God demanded for the eternal souls of his people. He did it. And he did it all. And the Holy Spirit teaches each born-again believer through the preaching of the gospel about the sanctifying work of God the Holy Spirit. When he enlightens the minds of, of God's chosen people to the sovereign grace of God through the perfect finished work of Christ. And this is what every sent preacher of God is to proclaim it is finished the work is done we proclaim we who are sent of God we proclaim the perfect sin atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross in the place of his people beware lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. This is what God tells us through his own word. That's in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now let's go back to our verse, verse 4 in First Thessalonians. And look at this scripture. It says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, 
your election of God. Now, the Greek word there for election, listen to what it means. This is the underlying Greek word for the word election. Now, people say all these different things that are not even scriptural about election. Let's see what the underlying Greek says about this word. The Greek word here for election means the act of picking out, choosing, the act of God's free will by which before the foundation of the world he decreed his blessings to certain persons. And we know that those persons are in Christ. We know that because we know that we were chosen in Christ by Ephesians 1.4. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And also it says this, the decree made from choice by which God determined to bless certain persons through Christ by grace alone. And then also this, a thing or a person chosen. And then it, it uses the example of God's elect. So we clearly see then, even in the definition of the Greek word for election here, that this election, this election is an act of sovereign mercy. It's an act of sovereign mercy. So what boundless grace is on display here for the believer in Christ? Truly, we who are the people of God, we have obtained mercy, unmeasurable mercy in Christ. How did Paul know they were God's elect? Was it by their outward show of boastful religious exercises before others? No, not at all. Was it by the boasting of abstaining from evil? Well, I don't do this and I don't do that. No. Was it by their boasting of their good deeds before others? Well, I have did this. I opened the door for, for a lady. And therefore, I, I remember hearing this one time. Somebody told me that him and his friend were out and about. And because his friend got to the door before he did, he got the reward for opening the door for a lady. And the one guy who was telling me said, I lost that reward. Well, you didn't get no reward in the first place. And you wouldn't. My, it's just incredible what people think and how they twist the scriptures to their own destruction. Beloved, beloved of God, it's not what we do. It's not what we do that gives God's people assurance. It's not what we do that makes our calling and election sure. The assurance of faith, the faith of God's elect, is based upon what God has done for us and in us. By his almighty power. We are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We are given faith to believe. We were once dead in trespasses and sins. We fell in Adam. We fell in Adam. And we came into this world dead in trespasses and sins. But by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We've been regenerated. We've been regenerated. We've been given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Never forget that God loves his people with an everlasting love. And he has saved us because it's pleased him to do so. It is God who wrote our names, the names of his elect, in the Lamb's book of life. Why? Because it pleased him to do so. It is God the Father who sent his beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem us, the sinless one, to redeem us, we who are sinners. To redeem us with his precious, precious blood. Why? Because it pleased him to do so.
It was God the Father who poured out his eternal wrath on his darling son in our room and place because it pleased him to do so. It pleased God to bruise him in our place. It was God by his almighty power who brought us under the preaching of his gospel and regenerated us, which just means being born again and revealed Christ to us because it pleased him to do so. It was God who gave his people preserving grace to wait for Christ's return because it pleases him to do so. It's God who's given us this hope in Christ, we who are his people, because it pleased him to do so. It's God who will preserve his sheep all by his almighty power until we breathe our last breath because it pleases him to do so. So what comfort we who are the people of God can find in these blessed truths, and especially in this blessed truth of election. And we can find great comfort knowing that our great God watches over us and protects us, especially in the times that we find ourselves in right now. We can have peace amidst the storm of this global pandemic. We who are the people of God, we can have peace amidst the storms of life, whatever comes our way, because we know that our great God is in control, full control. Listen to this wonderful scripture in light of the doctrine of election that we're studying right now in verse 4. And take note of the verbiage as it tells us that salvation is of the Lord. Listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Speaking of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works. Well, we can just stop there for a second. Not according to our works means not according to our works. That's exactly what it means. Salvation is not according to our works. Now, natural man, when I was lost and dead in trespasses and sins, I thought my good would outweigh my bad. Boy, was I in for surprise. I was all bad. But I didn't think that. It's not until the Lord regenerated me and saved me that I knew what sin really was. But the scripture clearly says here, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace. He saved us according to his purpose. If God has saved you, he saved you on purpose. He saved you on purpose. Let's just let that sink in. And it's all according to his grace. Again, no wonder Paul, you hear me often say this, no wonder Paul said, I've obtained mercy. Oh, what mercy we have obtained. It's absolutely incredible. Again, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. The scripture there declares that all this was given to us in Christ before the world began. That completely excludes creature merit. There is no merit in anything we do. The believer in Christ is saved by the grace of God, and it's all God's grace. As Spurgeon wrote a book called All of Grace, meaning that we are saved by the grace of God, period. All of God's salvation is all of God's grace. From beginning to end, he's the author and he's the finisher. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. So we are plainly taught then from the scripture 
that salvation is of the Lord. Human merit has nothing to do with salvation in Christ. And in the scripture, salvation in the scripture is in Christ alone. So human merit is out the window. There's no human merit. If we got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell. But God's people received mercy. And marvel at this, beloved of God. God chose us in Christ. We were redeemed in Christ. We are regenerated by the power and work of God the Holy Spirit. And we are called with an effectual call. And the grace that we now enjoy was given to us. According to 2 Timothy 1.9. Was given to us according to God's glorious sovereign purpose in Christ before the world began. Just let that comfort your souls during this time. Let that just speak peace to your heart. God's electing grace is a wonderful doctrine to God's people. You know why? Because it strips away human merit. It, it strips away human pride. And it gives us a sure ground of confidence and assurance. And that confidence and assurance is in Christ and Christ alone. And it also highly exalts and honors the name, the person, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The doctrine of election in Christ gives hope to sinners. It actually encourages evangelism because God's preachers do not know who the elect are. God's people do not know who the elect are. But God knows. God knows. And Christ has told us that all that the Father hath given him will come to him. So what an encouragement for evangelism. What an encouragement. And we know that all the sheep of God will come to Christ by the power and grace of God and according to the free grace of God which he's purposed. Salvation for his people before the world was. And it all comes about by God's almighty power. Therefore he receives all the glory. He receives all the honor. He receives all the praise. If you're going to boast, boast in Christ alone if you're a believer. We don't have nothing to boast in on ourselves. But oh, we have lots to boast about in our mighty Savior, don't we? Turn, if you would, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we'll see our Lord call his people his sheep. He's talking to some Pharisees. And he's going to talk to them about God's electing grace. Let's turn to John chapter 10. And we'll see our Lord call his people his sheep. And in this portion, he brings forth the electing grace of God. God has a people. And we who are his people are called his sheep. And we will see that we were given to Christ before the foundation of the world. And we will also see that every one of those sheep will come to Christ. And they're come by the effectual call of God the Holy Spirit. We'll see it clearly in these verses before us. John chapter 10, verse 25 and 26. Jesus answered them, I told you, and, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So so they, Pharisees here, they, wouldn't, they didn't believe him. They didn't believe what he said. But look what he says in verse 26. Now here we're going to see the distinguishing grace of God start to be unveiled here. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Now we know from studying scripture that the sheep of God are the elect of God. And note the distinction that our Lord has made between the sheep of God and, and those who we know are goats. 
Let's read on because it becomes even more evident that God's people are a chosen people in Christ. And take note of our Lord Jesus Christ bringing forth the divine purpose of God in, within these scriptures as well. And remember that the one who is speaking to them is God incarnate in the flesh. Look at verses 27 to 30. My sheep, they're his. They're his because the Father gave them to him. They're his, we also know, by purchase. Oh, yes. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Again, Gnoska, that's an intimate knowledge. He has an intimate knowledge of his people. And they follow me. It doesn't say they might if they make a decision. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says they follow me. They will. And I give unto them eternal life. See, if you're saved, and if you have eternal life in Christ, it's because God's given it to you. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Oh, my. We may die in our physical bodies, and we will. It's not may. We will. We will die. It's a point that a man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. So we all have a date with death. We all will pass through that doorway call death and go into eternity one will either go into eternal bliss with christ or one will go into a christless eternity in hell and i give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand well, talk about eternal security we see here pronounced the eternal security of the believer because it's christ who keeps us it's christ and christ alone my Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. We're twice held. We're in the Lord's hands and we're in the Father's hands. I and my Father are one. And note God's invincible, effectual call in verse 27 when the Master says, My sheep hear my voice. It doesn't say again, They hear my voice if they make a decision. What comes first, faith or regeneration? Well, regeneration. And then we're given the gift of faith. That's why we hear the shepherd's voice. It's so clear. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. He knows us intimately. And they follow me. They follow him. Yeah. We're on the track one way, and, and the Lord just calls us, and now we're following the Lord. And then marvel at God's amazing power declared in verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of, my, out of my hand. Beloved, if you are one of God's elect, if you are one of God's people, if you are one of his own, you're going to hear the gospel. So what hope this gives us in evangelism, too? Because as the gospel goes forth, we know it's used for the building up of God's people, right? But the gospel goes forth in power. And, and the lost sheep of God, when it's appointed time for them to hear the gospel, they are going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will be born again. They will be regenerated. And then they will be granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are one of the Lord's sheep, if you're one of the Lord's sheep, a lost sheep, you're going to hear the gospel of salvation in Christ alone, not with natural ears. No, it'll come to you in power. It'll come to you in power. In the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We'll see that in verse 5 of this chapter. 
you're going to believe it. You're going to receive it. If the word of God comes to you in power, you're going to love the gospel. You're going to love the gospel. And in one day, by the grace and mercy of God, you will see Christ in glory. And it's all because of God's eternal purpose and grace. So with that fresh on our minds, let's now look at verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Now we see a truth brought forth here before us in verse 5, which is true of every believer in Christ. We see the way the gospel came to the Thessalonian believers. And it reveals their election because it came to them in power. It didn't come to them just in word. No, beloved. It came to them in power. And we know that the power there is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It didn't come only in external ministry of the word. Oh, no, but it came in, in eternal efficacy through the power and revelation of God the Holy Spirit. So we see then that the Apostle Paul brings forth that the gospel comes to the saint of God, not in word only, oh, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. It says right there, in much assurance. So we saw in verse 4, election, and now we see assurance. Assurance. Look at how unanswerably conclusive it is when a child of God is quickened under the word of God. And don't ever forget that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. Remember Lydia? Oh, the Lord opened her heart, didn't he? That's what he does for every single one of his people. He opens our hearts, beloved. And he gives us hearing ears to hear the gospel and seeing eyes to look to Christ and Christ alone, to look away from ourselves and to look to him who is the only savior of sinners. Therefore, as the scriptures proclaim, the word of God, again, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword for the born-again believer. In our natural state, we may hear the word of God, and it has no impression upon us, no impression upon our minds, no impression upon our hearts. But when the Holy Spirit of God regenerates a lost sinner, then the word of God, is powerful, quickening, illuminating, sanctifying, and renewing word. And the believer cries out with David, For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. So Paul brings forth that those who are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit of God through the word of God comes to us in power and in much assurance and our hope our interest is in Christ and Christ alone Paul tells the Thessalonian saints Paul brings forth that those who are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit of God through the word of God which is for we who are the people of God that this word of grace which the Holy Spirit applies to our hearts and brings great conviction and gives us a blessed assurance of your interest in Christ, Paul in confidence tells them that it's all a work of God. Therefore, the regenerated heart is enabled to discern God's faithful servants coming to them in the, in the Lord's name. As Paul brings forth in this verse, 
with the words, You know, saith Paul, what manner of men we were among you. Oh, I pray, sinner friend, that God would give you grace to believe. Oh, that the, the word which, which is preached right now would come to thee in power and in much assurance. And then we know if it does, it's all by the will of God. May God be glorified through the preaching of his word. Amen.